Hello and welcome to episode 23 of the Sustainable E-Commerce Podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build your brand for a healthier planet. As always, I'm your host, Giles Smith, and today I'm joined by Priska Ongonga-Dane, founder and CEO at Bearsop. In a nutshell, Bearsop make powder-based personal care products like soap and body wash. You basically purchase reusable foaming dispensers and refill them from home compostable sachets, completely avoiding single-use plastics. As you'll see, Bearsop has only been around for a couple of years, but it's on a remarkable trajectory, fueled by Priska's seemingly insatiable desire to live to her fullest potential and make a maximum impact while doing it. Aside from the immediate impact of avoiding single-use plastics, it's actually mind-boggling how many social projects Priska's team are involved in for such a young-stage company. Truly, truly inspiring. So with that, let's start the show. Priska Ongonga Dane, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, it is very exciting to have you here. I came across your brand, oh, I don't know, maybe six months or so ago now through, I think, a mutual connection that we have. And I immediately went to go and check you out and I thought, oh, this is a beautiful brand. And I've been waiting uh, to now to get hold of you to come and talk about your brand on the show. So it's I'm very pleased that you've jo- you're joining me today and we've got a lot to talk about. So before we get into all that, though, perhaps you could give us a bit of an intro into your background and how you came to start Bearsop. Amazing. Um, my background is product development. That's what I love. That's what I breathe. Um, how do we take a, a product or a, an object and pull it apart and bring it back together in a way that that is more mindful um, to the modern lifestyle that we live in, a product that actually has existed in a form that is kind of expired in a way. Um, And so like taking a lens of our current real-time experience and making it more valuable, really. So with Bear Soap, uh, we just moved back to Australia from living um, mostly in, in, in Southeast Asia, um, Singapore, and Malaysia, uh, China, Vietnam. Oh, wow. You've really been around. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like I've had 12 lives, really. But yeah. Um, yeah. So we just come back, and I really was going through a a, a moment, which I, I don't know which, mo- which other people do, uh, I'm sure other people do too, but going through a moment of why am I here? Um, what's my purpose? Am I actually serving that purpose once I realize what it is? And if I was to, let's say, you know, die tomorrow, how how would I feel about that? And it was a very interesting moment where I was, even though at that time I had just found it, not, I, I had just found it, I had founded another another. Uh, product-based uh, uh, brand that was really using recycled plastic from Japan and making this modern, almost like 
bags that are weaved by generational um, families in Vietnam as a way to actually preserve that art that, that's disappearing and then supplying this to resorts to also like bring them along that journey of of, of creating changes. They actually, you know, they are, they are one of, I would say, businesses that actually do um, create a lot of waste. So that that was happening and I was happy with how that's going. But I kind of was like, is this enough? Like, is this my utmost potential? I doubted it is. So I was just going through that journey and having a conversation with my daughter at, at the dinner table. And she was, you know, we always have all, all kinds of convos. Um, that particular day, it was um, her frustration about the Pacific garbage patch and the plastic that's piling in there and what's going to happen to it and who's going to do anything about it and it's going to cost trillions of dollars and you know one of the things she added was you know that that's why I'm really working at a school mom so I can actually do something about this because no no one is and hearing her frustration obviously as a parent you're like oh you know what can I do to actually help right and uh, I was like hey look how about we own that that narrative as a family, like, why don't we do something as a family, like just little things that actually can go towards solving that problem. At least, you know, at least we are, we are doing something. And I think that will remove that frustration because you are not, you know, you are being part of the solution in a way. And so we kind of start to look at the kitchen and we could actually find a number of solutions and mindful that we were actually already doing a little bit. And then going to the bathroom and not finding solutions as easily, really. And and I think that plus my background, plus being quite a curious person, I'm always curious, like if you if you come to my house, probably have like hundreds of books that I I just I'm I feel like knowledge is something that is quite interesting and and learning how things are and why are they like that. And so I went on to Google and I just started to look like is, what's there. And I started to use these refills that, you know, you kind of go, uh, you, you buy it and then they send back to you um, a, a whole refill thing. And then you go and send it back and they wash it and they send you another refill. And I just couldn't, like I tried for a few, a, a couple of times. I'm like, this is not working for me. Um, I don't have the time and I'm likely to just go back and buy the old thing I was using because, but mostly because it's, it's not convenient. And then going and thinking, okay, maybe I should open like a, re- a refill store in my community. And again, I used to go into Malvern to another suburb to actually try the refill process. Uh, and I was like, no, I can't do this either. And so just thinking, wow, this is really interesting. Um, why isn't there a, a, an, an easier solution? And again, more research, more research. And I came about doing the research about the fact that water is the major problem here because because what you store the soap in, it's because it's it's what it is because of the water content. And so thinking, oh, okay, so at least now we know the root of the problem. <laughs> so what if we remove the water and then we don't have that? Like, so look, it's a whole element and pieces and puzzles going, you know, going through my head. And so I got into the Monash university um, validator program to actually validate my concept. And that concept was one day while I was struggling with this problem, 
I was sleeping actually. And I just was like, oh my God, people use face masks. So there's a possibility that you can actually can just have the powder be and not and just make it into a powder and then and becomes into like a solution, like a foaming, a, a foaming or, or gel. I, I didn't know how it, it was gonna go at that time. And I was like, maybe that's possible, but is it though? Again, more research, Google, 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 and thank God for Google. I could not find anything actually, but I searched up to chemists. So I think I probably spoke to a number, I would say over probably 50 chemists and that's from universities, that's from LinkedIn and just revolution are like, you know, could we do this? Is, is this possible to just have the powder and then you just add water and, be, and, and it dissolves? And they were coming back and saying, actually, no, it's not possible, Prisca, because it's going to, when it's a powder base, because the powder cannot dry because the oil that you need can, cannot dry, so it's going to be infected, or the water that that is that that is used to dissolve it, it's it's not going to work. But I was like, okay, really? Um, yeah. Anyway, that went on for quite some time. Eventually, I kept on persisting. Eventually, found someone who said, okay, maybe I could try if you send me a base. More Google kind of found a base of what you could work with, but I was like, hey, I would like to make this um flat based. Um, now again. Building back to that, during the validation process with Monash, I talked to about 200 people and asked them what solution would you prefer for you to actually come along the change easily um, based on what you're currently using? Are you even interested? So doing that validation process to collect the data, to actually find out, first of all, is there a problem? Second of all, what's the best solution for it? Really opened up a number of um elements that I wasn't even aware of and that using all of that data point is what I used to then create the product and that going on to you know this customer discovery uh, journey revealing that people would love a product that is convenient which kind of did that did um the, the problem I experienced myself. So um the, the uh convenient, it has to work because the, the ones that were using at the moment either didn't have the efficacy that they needed to replace the current one they're currently using. And you know, so there was that, there was the element of obviously they would like it to be you know plant-based because something that actually not not essentially plant-based, but something that's better for their skin, obviously that doesn't have chemicals, that doesn't have GMOs and palm oil and it's vegan. And yeah, so what I'm trying to say, like every element and every piece that we use to actually um, create almost a brief for for the product was based on this customer discovery. It's not just something we kind of picked out of the air. And that then went on with the packaging itself, um, having having it made here in Australia and the, the, the compostable piece. And that again came along the fact that people were like, we don't want to be greenwashed. Like greenwashing, like it's everywhere, you know, da, 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 da. but it's actually, is it actually solving the problem? I think that was the question. And so again, going through that journey was how can we create a solution that is actually solving the problem and it's not just doing a PR page. Um, this was actually quite quite important because my sort of objective was to really solve the problem as part the conversation with my daughter. And so I would say, yeah, that's 
probably, I would say, the essence of it. Yeah, so much to unpack there already. So many amazing insights that I, I want to touch on. And I, I think the first thing I'd like to explore, because it's not, not something I've even heard of, is this Monash program that you got into. What tell, Can you tell me a little bit more about that and how you use that and why, and why that was so handy for you? Right. So this Monash program is called the the validator program and right. this probably have like a thousand of, of, of applications of almost ideas that are at ideation stage and they take you th- through the process to actually prove or disapprove the idea because you know why should you spend so much money to launch an idea that that is not gonna work Nobody wants. So I yeah. time and money really um and so they take you through that process to validate that concept. So it's about a three months program. Okay, it's very much research based program yeah. and more data collection. And so they guide you on, you know, uh, customer surveying, or do they provide? Okay. Are there, is there like a base of people that you can get in front of with through the program that are kind of signed up, or how does that actually work? No, so the way it works is you are tasked to actually go on and collect the data. They obviously don't tell you, they don't have the audience for you to collect that data from. So personally for me, I reached out to everyone I knew um, and went through, okay, do you have, you know, 15 minutes? I just want to ask you like a few questions. And then after everyone, do you have someone that you can refer me to? So almost like how do you build that sort of cohort really? So yeah, so it was more like giving you a, a guidance or a guideline of best practice, but also keeping you accountable of actually have you done the work and okay that's that sounds really really interesting i'm sure other people is that that's down at Mon- is that with monash university yeah. or is that just coincidence yeah it is okay interesting okay well that's that's a fascinating thing i'm going to go and have a look at that because that some, sounds like something more people need to know about and i i'd never heard of it so that's interesting um i love what you said there about the conversation you had at dinner time with your daughter about the great pacific garbage patch if only because I remember the exact same moment around my dinner table with my teenage daughter, probably about five years ago. And I had not heard of the Great Pacific Garbage Patch before. And and it's one of the things that led me to where I am today as well, that very conversation. So isn't that interesting how how parallel that is? Yeah, it's f- funny. Um, funny way things work. So I literally, and I love, I love, I mean, we were talking a little bit before we came on the show about, you know, balancing business and time with the time with daughters in particular. And, and and we've always had the rule in our house that every single dinner time is spent around the dining room table. No phones, no technology, no TV, nothing so that we can have that reconnecting conversation. And it's amazing what comes out of that. Yeah, that's really interesting, actually, Giles, to say that because that to me is the moment that I actually switch off to even up to now um, is the moment when we actually engage because it's the only output have an hour to engage with the kids. So that's the moment we're on the dinner table. And there's always, you know, Hannah, my daughter, she's, there's always something, there's always an, an, you know, an idea or a problem or a policy issue or, but they're always quite deep and really interesting. So I actually do, look forward to those moments because it's a moment of like questioning and and discussing and debating ideas and why things are and what's being done and why is it being done that way and why not this way and what about this and it's, yeah i mean i don't know if the conversation goes the same with you but you know to start with it's oh how was your day good yeah 
and, and that's what you get. And then it's only when you start to kind of tease these things out that you actually start to learn about their life at school and learn about their relationships. And and as you say, have deep conversations that I think do two things. Firstly, it's really interesting. You realize that they're becoming an adult and, and they have their own thought processes and knowledge bases that you, that you don't have, which is interesting. I've always that, found that fascinating. But also you get to see, you get a, a completely different perspective on life from somebody that you know because we think oh well we've been there we've we've been teenagers we remember what it's like but it's a so different world now isn't it a different world it's like it's black and white really yeah yeah absolutely so uh anyway we're going off track as i knew we would one of another thing that i think you, you said that i love was you dropped in a couple of little nuggets there around the fact that you know the the research showed you that number one the product had to be it had to work it had to be efficacious it had to do it had to be at least as good as what was already in the market and number two it had to be convenient and i think this is the essence of where sustainable product brands if they're going to fail this is probably a key moment where they fail is that is that they is that they focus on the sustainability aspect which is great but they forget that we're all human and we all have busy lives and none of us can really be bothered to go out of our way, maybe once, maybe twice, but eventually, if it's hard, it's going to stop happening. And so that convenience part is essential to, especially when you are a purpose-driven brand, it's essential to making that business model work, isn't it? It's everything. It's actually, I would say it's everything. In fact, it's one of the things I try to put across is we cannot solve the planet problem without the human empathy. We're not going to do it. It's just not going to happen because the planet problem is human linked. So first you have to solve that human experience to the problem for them to actually come across to the other side. And this was very much and still is. And part of our messaging always is we exist to create change by providing a solution that actually uplifts your everyday experience of your hygiene care. So we are not here that, okay, you need to do good, but you're kind of going to have to give up a lot of things. No, yeah, like you actually, you're here, you actually can do good and still elevate that every experience that you love. So we are not asking you to actually give up anything. We are asking you to just come along the journey and we have done all the work. We have done all the work behind the scene so that when you use our products, you are creating change, but you are not giving up anything. Yes, we I love on it. to our product development and innovation as we go ahead. And that is all kinds of things, obviously. I mean, I can share one that's pretty obvious is the uh, scent piece um, and how we are, you know, curating scents um, and also adding elements onto our formulation and the whole touch point of experience so that we can help you or make it easy for you, which is our really our messaging is we are to make it easy for you to create change with every wash. Yeah, I, I love that. So such a powerful thing you've hit on there. And it's actually one of the core tenants um, at Sustainable E-Commerce, we built something called the Purpose Marketing Playbook, which is kind of like a framework for telling messaging. And for those who have followed this podcast for a while, and, they, and one of the core essences of that framework is exactly what you just said. It's about communicating the fact that your business exists to make it easy for the customer to be the hero in the sustainability journey. 
And that's what you are. You're not you're not the one that's doing all this wonderful stuff. Yes, you are. But ultimately, it's the customer. And your job is to make that easy for them to get on board and to do that every day so that you, in, in essence, you're on mass enabling activation of your consumers to do better for the world. And, and that is the key message. And I think that's so powerful. And it comes across on your website as well. Can you tell us a little bit about how you about how you see the importance of telling that message and how you structure that messaging, you know, through your interactions with customers? First of all, I believe that that messaging has to be authentic. It has to be true. And we, we have to live it, feel it, and it has to be real. It cannot be just like, how do I say this? Like, let's find the like perfect words for us to use uh, to get people to actually buy our products. No, it's do we actually believe this? Do we have conviction that this is why I exist? And I think when you do that, it's it's easy to actually communicate because you're communicating for actually from the heart. And therefore, really to answer your question, I really cannot say that I've ever thought it as a deliberate almost like a deliberate pitch for, for, for consumers. It's always been, this is really why we exist. I feel it. It's true. And I just want to share this with everyone that actually interacts with us so they know why we exist and why we do what we do and what 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 we are trying to achieve, really. So it's more of a mm. sharing, but in an authentic way that is true. Um, and again, I will go back to the uh, to the piece about I do find it, and I know maybe I shouldn't say this, I do find it sometimes quite cringy when I see a brand, you know, when it's an obvious PR pitch. And that's really just me personally. And that's why I think I'm not very good at PR because I just, um, I, I have, I can't help but speak the truth as it is. Yeah. So. Well, I think that's the, the the difference though, isn't it? Between somebody like you and and your brand Bearsop who have genuinely or are genuinely building a purpose-driven brand with with the impact that you want to have in the world at the heart of your business model versus somebody who is PR pitching, you know, oh, we are um, swapping out all the single-use plastic back. I'm just picking that out of the air for no good reason. But, um, you know, we're, we're doing this amazing thing by removing single-use plastic bags. And aren't we great? And and don't we then have a, a wonderful a wonderful green story to our brand? And no names mentioned Woolworths. <coughs> um and you know, but but doesn't really isn't really doing anything different, especially since the legislation was coming down. Anyway, that's the difference, right? I mean, that's PR can be used for good to sell a genuine message, or it can be used for bad to to greenwash and um, have something appear to be a lot stronger than it really is in terms of the impact it's having. And I know that you're all all about impact. Uh, you know, we talked about that before before the show. So, what other thoughts do you have around this? I mean, you clearly it's it's the essence of who you are, which I love. Hundred percent, and actually, I want to I want to share again backtracking, so you have some context. Coming onto this journey with Bear Soap, I think I shared before. I was at a stage of, you know, why am I here? Like, why, why, you know, what's my purpose? What's my, you know, what's going to be my lifetime work? And part of that has always been in person impact, but more human to human. And the way I saw that, the lens I had then, which kind of keeps shifting, was. That I know of a lot of people who need <laughs> who need so much help to actually get where they could be just with a tiny bit, just a tiny bit of someone actually igniting that sort of power within them mm. to be the best human they can be. And I've always felt that 
my journey is to actually be part of that. And that is just, I could be, well, I'm actually, I'm, I'm convinced. Sorry, I'm not, I'm not going to say I could be wrong. And so I didn't know that Bearsop was going to be that sort of, I would say, vessel for me to be doing this. Right. So now, now that I've given the context there, why we exist and even um, my CEO, which I wish was actually in this meeting and maybe you actually can interview the next time, but every person we attract to the team, it usually starts with the heart. Obviously, skills important and it's everything and we are building an A team here. But if you're coming into this to actually just make money, then you are in the wrong team. We're here to actually it's impact fast. And obviously the revenue is tied in because we kind of, we cannot create the impact if we don't have the funds, right? So it's right. tied in and it's tied to ourselves. And to answer your question, our mission is in the short term to eliminate 1 billion single-use plastic bottles from landfill by 2035. Alongside that, 5,000 tons of CO2 avoided from our atmosphere and 600,000 litres of water conserved by 2035. And when we are doing that, every litre of water we conserve, we are actually making that accessible to communities that are running out of clean and safe water due to climate change or other or other reasons. And this is very grassroots driven. So we are working with grassroots and only grassroots um, driven organizations um, that are activating this digging of, 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 of water from the ground and sanitation because we are a hygiene brand. And it's so there's that tied in. And also we actually also um, impacting kids. Uh, so we're working with schools at the moment to actually be part of their journey because these kids were trying to create change. Uh, for example, one of that project is up school that we're working with, whereby we use bear soap as a way for them to raise funds for these other schools in communities actually need so much and uh, build schools and libraries and then almost connect with the communities they're actually um, impacting. So these kids at a very young age can see that, you know, there is no age barrier to creating change. We all have the power regardless. And when you see like their face lit up when another kid from Nepal is like, oh, thank you so much for this pencil. It's, it's you know, I, I, you know, like I'm sitting on a chair, I'd never, you know, whatever. And they're like, this is amazing. And it's really amazing because to me, that's what gives me joy. Like when I see that, I'm like, wow, this is why I do this. Only because the feeling is way better than having... <laughs> And let's say like winning a million dollar lotto. It really is. It's yeah. like this is a feeling you cannot buy. It's it's a feeling that is amazing. And yeah, so anyway, that's why we exist. And um I know there's something about oh, its impact and therefore what's the commercial piece. But we actually doing so well commercially. Uh we, we the, the, this is not the, the convo for that, but it's interesting how it all aligns together. Um, you know, I think one of the key tenets of building a sustainable and purpose-driven business is that is that you have to make profit, right? Because if you don't have profit, you can't do the things that you want to do. And, and you know, that, that, that we've got to leave behind this, this nagging sense that somehow profit's dirty, somehow profit 
and sustainability and purpose-driven businesses and ethical businesses can't coexist because it's nonsense. We're not charities. We're doing it for a reason. And, and, and the power behind that whole model is the profitability that you can then use to have an impact in the world, whether that's directly because you're making things out of sustainable materials you can invest in doing that or whether it's because you can then use that leverage that into into um into impact projects that you're doing like you were saying there it, it's a it's a core tenet isn't it i mean uh, uh, what a fascinating story you do it you guys are doing so so much it's so so impressive i want to come back though because you mentioned something that i didn't know a moment ago um about the fact you have a ceo that you've appointed into your business i think that's what you said cco um a cco yeah Okay, and so and so you've obviously you're obviously building out a team there. So tell us a little bit about how you're handling that team. And obviously, you know, I think we can all understand that being a purpose-driven business is a great thing from a point of view of attracting talent because people get a good vibe out of doing all that sort of stuff. But what's your approach to building out your team? What are you looking at? How do you do that? Good question. So I wish again Michael was here because he's my right hand person. And the way Michael came in quite organically, um, having almost aligned with our purpose at the start or as a foundation. But I am, as I said before, I'm, and I'm not, I'm not going to sugarcoat that. I am very much a product-driven person. How do we create products that actually solve the world's biggest problems? That is what, you know, that that's what I'm passionate about. And also, obviously, how do we bring the community along this journey with us so that we can scale um, that change. Um, Michael, on the other hand, is very much a commercial person. It's like, okay, where are the numbers? Let's break them down. Where the unit, uh, where are the unit economics? How are we at every touch points with our with our partners? Um, what what are our commercials um goals for this month? Have we overachieved them and where are we for next month? And um what's our forecast for the year and where are we at now and how do we get there faster so what i'm trying to say is the team that i'm trying to build is i'm bringing people in that know better than i do mm. in the spaces that they're coming to fail so i think that's how the best teams are built and that obviously allows me to not be obviously uh, how do i say like micromanage in fact, I'm learning from them and they're learning from me. And I don't know everything. I don't think there's any CEO that actually knows everything. It's about hiring the people that are smarter than you in the spaces that they come to fail. Um, yeah. And that's the kind of the team we are building. But alongside that, obviously, most at the moment, um, our the two people that we're working with have come in, again, only based on the purpose itself. And everything else are lining up. And, you know, we, we talked, in fact, we have about probably now three other people who are not on board uh, full time, but they've come, they're working for us because they're aligned with the impact. They they come in and say, I want to be part of this. Yeah. I want to change the world and I want to be part of this. And it's it's not intentional, but it's interesting how that is the case. Such a different hiring conversation, isn't it? Truly is when when you have when you have that first meeting and you're you're meeting someone the first time and you can see in their eyes how passionate they are about making an impact and you just go, you know what, skills can be trained. If you don't know everything, that's great. We'll learn together. But you can't you can't teach the passion and inner drive to make a difference. You simply can't. A hundred percent. And another really interesting thing is just to be clear, these people who are coming from because of impact um 
being the driver. They are, when we start to work with them, actually really good at what they do. And they are obviously, they would be earning like thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, but they're like, you know what? I love this. I'm going to take a pay cut, um, just part of it. And we are actually very lucky to have the people we have. And my init- my sort of past, past life, I was um, um, HR recruiter for ex- executive search. And therefore, I'm coming with that lens. So obviously, we want people actually can obviously bring value. Um, we are, we, are not, we, we are not a charity, so you kind of have to perform. And they are, it's incredible, honestly. We are very lucky. So where, where do you, because obviously there's a, there's always a conundrum, isn't there, between hiring in and building skills and team in-house versus outsourcing. So where do you draw that line? How do you decide in your business where, who to hire, when to hire in for a role and when to outsource it to somebody else? That's just based on churn. Um, it's just us trying to manage our churn, right? Because the more people you have in-house, um, the more churn you're going to have. And so we are trying to be a very sustainable and lean business um, that doesn't have a very high churn. And because um, what we need really, most of it don't require a full-time at this moment, even though having said that, um, based on our forecast and the deals we are, we are about to close, it looks like we're probably going to be growing by three times in terms of team just because these deals are really huge that we actually cannot do it by outsourcing they're going to be time roles so i would say i draw the line on do you does this person actually need to be a full-time role or can this be done like two hours a day is it actually that hard like so i guess just the balancing of is it very necessary um to to actually have the business bear that cost based on the contribution and the need and almost like it's because it, it, it's, it's an investment. So when you have someone come in full time, you are hoping that they're going to times 10 or times five or times three um, sort of generate revenue right um so yeah interesting interesting fascinating stuff and i know that we're coming towards the end of our time together if we haven't already overstayed our work and i'm sorry about that prisco it's so fascinating talking to you i feel like i could pick your brains all day what is next what's coming up then you you've alluded to three times growth over the next year what are what are some of the big things that are coming up for bearsop in a nutshell we have uh we are Launched in the US. Uh, we have a team of four in New York at the moment. And wow. we are expecting to actually start sort of fulfilling large scale orders with B2B2C by October. We are also, we've got a foot into, but it's not it's not activated until probably early, um, early 2023 in Indonesia, India, Singapore, Israel. Um, Hong Kong um, and China. So it's, and this again has just been organic um, sort of reach out, you know, we love what you guys do and we want to be part of it. And so it's really incredible. um, Yeah. In terms of the sort of commercial piece and the product piece, I feel like because they're, we are just about to launch um, these products and conscious of the market i kind of will i cannot share that but again we are very much on okay how do we make it even easier we we've made it easy but we think we can make it easier so 
we are about to launch even better products um, than what we have, which is, I know, sounds hard to believe, but yeah. Congratulations. What a what a tremendous trajectory you're on. And it and it absolutely is well deserved and much needed in the world. All the work that you guys are doing, absolutely tremendous. Priska, where can people go if they want to try out your products for the first time? If they haven't heard of you, where can they go and what do they do? They can go to www.bearsop.com. That's B-A-R-E-S-O-P.com. Fantastic. What what a brilliant thing. And I love your brand. I love everything you just said. So many incredible lessons. You're very, very smart what you're doing. And we wish you the absolute best. We're right behind you here from Sustainable Commerce. I want to see you guys take over the world over the next couple of years. Niles, I just want to say thank you so much for the opportunity for me to actually share why we exist on a, on a one-to-one, which somehow I feel usually more uh, sort of comfortable to do. So thank you for that opportunity. Thank you. Back to Giles again for my top three takeouts from today's show. And my first key takeout was not really anything to do with building a sustainable brand per se, rather about making sure you make time to really connect with your family every day, especially if you have young and teenage kids. Life is insanely busy, and as entrepreneurs, I think we have a tendency to take on more than we can handle, often at the expense of time with family. And yet, had we not had the discipline to put technology aside at dinner time and connect with our daughters, Priska and I may not be traveling in the direction we are today. Family dinner times should be sacred, technology free, and a time to reconnect with each other. Secondly, and perhaps back on track, It was interesting that Priska's view on product effectiveness echoed one of the points I was actually making in last week's show. Sustainable products still need to be at least as good at solving the customer's problems as existing products in the marketplace. And we need to make it easy for our customers to change their habits and shop sustainably if we want our brands to grow and to make an impact in the world. Lastly, she had some pretty good observations on hiring. Clearly, Priska's experience is that being strongly mission-driven, they're able to attract people with the right heart, and indeed, that they can attract very talented people committed to the cause without having to compete on salary. Priska's rule for hiring internally versus outsourcing is straightforward and simple. If there's enough work for a full-time role, hire in, otherwise contract out or outsource. So I hope you enjoyed listening to Priska and found inspiration in the trajectory that they're on, as well as the sheer scope of social projects they're already involved in. We'll be back next week with another terrific founder interview. So until then, keep building your brand for a healthier planet.